Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. With me today, I have Mark Hubbard. He has been sharing his love for music since he was young, a young child. And at the age of 18, he organized and formed the United Voices for Christ, which is now affectionately known as The Voices. And they've done several recordings. And we'll talk about that more during the interview. Mark has transitioned to being an independent artist, allowing him to tap into his abundantly artistic gifts. He is a songwriter, producer, artist, and a vocal trainer. Mark, welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. How are you doing today? I'm good, and thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I just want to, I always like to start at the beginning, and I'd like to ask you this one about the beginning. Who started you in music? Hmm, I would have to say my mom. My mom started me in music. My mom actually was a piano player. She had um, a group called the Hubbard Community Singers. And so uh, I got my love for music and started with my mom. Yeah. Okay, that is great. Now, when you say that your mother started you now, did she actually bring you into the group to sing with the group? No, 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 no. Actually, um, the group had disbanded um, by the time I actually got into it, but she brought me into love of music by, by so by being um, really active and involved because she was actually a pastor of the church. So my mom was a bishop, my father was an elder, and my mom was actually the pastor of the church, so she had me involved in, like, uh, at that uh, time I was playing for the church, and um, so I was teaching the choir. It started at the age of um, eight, my mom had me playing. So uh, that's how she, she kind of involved me and got me started. Okay. So when you started playing, was it music that you were, I'm sorry, was it a the piano that you were playing or was it drums or guitar? What instrument did you start playing? It was organ. It was organ. It actually was organ. So, yep, my mom had an um, organ at the church, and so she would get sit me on there. I could only play in two keys, but you know, we, managed, we managed to make, make, make it work out. So uh, it was actually organ. So, yeah, of course, you know, as, as any other child, your mom would put you in music classes and stuff like that. So I started to get the love of that from there as well. But I didn't continue on in the music class, but I did continue on with my two keys playing for my mom in her church. <laughs> now, when you say you had music classes, did you take private lessons or did you go to a school? Private lessons, yes. Okay. Uh, and do you recall who your piano teacher was? Uh-uh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll have to research that one. I wish I could, you know, my, both my parents are deceased, so I can't actually ask them who it was, and I don't think my brother knows, you know, like that. So, no, I can't. Okay. <laughs> <No. laughs> All right. So no, when, we, when we move on to you learning how to play in just two keys. And I'm sure one of them was C. Is that correct? C sharp. <laughs> you got it. It was C sharp and F. That was the only two keys. That was it. That was it. And I told my mom, listen, if you're going to preach, you're going to hoop and F or C sharp. Other than that, you're on your own. She already knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, she could have jumped on the organ and played it herself if she wanted to just hoop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back then, she probably but she didn't want to. She was too busy. We could talk about that story. She was too busy getting me in line with me in church instead of jumping on the organ. But we could talk about that later. <laughs> well, this is an interview to talk about you and what you've contributed to Gospel Music Gold. So, and that is part of it. And what you were nurtured with and, and grew up with. Now, 
I'm going to ask you, I know that you're also a choir master. So, and you didn't mention that in your bio, but I know this because I've seen you before and I've seen you in work and in action, etc. Now, who would you say was your most favorite director that taught you how to direct? I have to say uh, my first idol and mentor growing up in gospel music at a young age was Alec Faye from uh, Cosmopolitan Church of um, Prayer. Okay. Yeah. All was, right. Yeah. My mom used to take me and my brother all the time, and I would just stand there. I was amazed by the by the church, amazed by the choir, but I was definitely amazed by his directing skill, how he commanded the choir. So Alec yeah, would definitely be my first mentor in uh, directing. Yeah. Okay. Now, and some people don't understand, too, is that each director directs in their own, um, how can I say, pattern or method. And... When you go to, I talked to a guest that said that she went to an orchestration class and they were teaching her how to, teaching people how to direct. And she had never been to a formal music class. Do you think being a choir master that people rate each other on how they direct a choir or, or the control? I don't know if they rate it, uh, each other on um, how they, you know, direct a choir. I know as a director, we do study one another as far as commanding the attention of the choir, how much, you know, and commanding the audience and being able to uh, read the audience and know how to, you know, portray what we do. Um, but I don't know if we actually rate one another. Mm -hmm. I, I've never did it. I just always watched how attentive the choir is to the choir director and how he he or she commands um, the, the attention or command them to uh, inform in performance in which they are doing so. I always keep an eye on that. This, of course, being being that in my field, I always always watch for that. I always had a, uh, <clears throat> I've always had a good um, uh, relationship. I call it now uh, structure with my choir that they would actually just know where I'm going. As either the expression on my face or just in a hand motion, they automatically know what they need to do next. So it's all about the commandment and how you, you know, treat, teach and train your choir to be able to articulate what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Not go before you. And not jump before him, anticipate what you're going to do, but know exactly, and this may be the next move, so I'm ready. That I, I am so glad that you also mentioned about knowing the audience as well, because some people can get wrapped up in self and forget that they're in front of an audience and that they're presenting. And with that, you do have to know, you know how have to know how to flow with the audience and your choral group, your ensemble. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you, how large is your group? How large is the Voices? Voices now is 25 strong. And um, that's as far as we're going to get right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been, um, you know, we may open up soon, but I've had the 7,500 Voices and I appreciate every last, I appreciate my journey in that area. Um, then, but now, being in the, in the climate that we're in now, it's really, you know, some can do it. And I call them millennial directors like Dustin Walker and Visible Hand, and they got it. You know, they can do that. They can control and command um, and, you know, have, like, be able to monitor and these large choirs. But when you get my age, the smaller <laughs> the better. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm good with the um, 25, you know. Like I said, we may open up to a couple of people, but then also it's easy to maintain at this particular, um, where we are now in, in the industry, it's easy to maintain that uh, smaller type of group, but I never wanted to get to the point where it's considered to be 
um, and no dish, and, no, and I like that, a praise team, but I always wanted to be able to know that this is a choir, and we respect and we love choir music. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference. Some people don't don't realize that they see people standing on stage. Now, they know the difference between a solo and they know the, the choir, but they don't understand that there is a difference between a choir and a praise team. Mm-hmm. Now, can you give us uh, just a brief description of what you see as a choir and a praise team difference? Well, my, my to me, um, first of all, and I know we're in the era of um, worship music and and all that, and and again, I have no qualms of any type of that. But I think all music that's edifying um, the body of Christ and glorifying God is you know great. Um, but first of all, it's always the style and the texture of the music that you're singing. That when you there is there is a flow and a difference when you hear choir music and when you hear praise team uh, praise and worship. There is a difference. So um, and there's nothing wrong with choirs doing it, but I think sometimes we can lose our identity when we lean more into the worship music and not really give that full. Uh, choir sound, choir music, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, and the choir language. Uh, so to me, that's the difference. And also, uh, <laughs> you know, with me, I always tell people at a certain point uh, in numbers, you move from a praise team to a choir. So your praise team to me um, shouldn't be 50 voices strong because that's not a praise <laughs> team, that's a choir. <laughs> Uh, and I understand having different divisions of the praise team. But I get that. That's fine. But if you, if I see more than at least, um, to me, like nine people, if I see about 20 people up on stage, and you know, several people on mics and then individuals, and you're saying you're praising, no, you're not assembled, and, and you're really targeting the line of being acquired. So that's just me. Okay. Um, and identities, you know, uh, as far as identifying, you know, like I said, the approach to music, um, the type of music that you sing within this genre, and then also the structure of your body, of your choir, of mm. your group, okay. or your uh, ministry. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up ensemble, too, because there is a difference in that as well. When you mm. look at the numbers and the quantity, because I've seen people that uh, are at a church, and they have this full-on choir, and they say, we're going to have a praise group come forward. And I'm looking, I'm like, uh, that's not a praise group, but okay. <laughs> like I said, and no, no, you know, again, no point attended to anybody, no dish, but if you said this is my praise team and I'm looking at about 25 or 30 people, that's not a praise team. <laughs> <laughs> that's a choir. Uh, borderline um, some, on summer, you, 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 uh, on the bridge of a choir. That's just not a praise team you know, at all. Again, that's me, you know. Give me three or four people. Like I said, a max of nine, and then that's a praise team to me. Okay, all right. And, well, we're here to ask you about your opinion. So, I mean, that, that you know, we're not, and nobody, I don't, I never say anything is right or wrong. Everybody has their opinion, and they can speak it out and say what they what they want, you know, so, hey. <laughs> wow, that is great, because when I tell you that is my same uh, um, mindset, I tell people all the time, uh, the opinion is not right or wrong. It's your opinion. You're entitled to it. it. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it wrong. It's your opinion. You're entitled to it. So we're on the same page. You know, like I said, <laughs> I'll tell nobody. You don't have to agree with me or disagree with me. It's my opinion. You have yours. I have mine. And we can, you know, we can sometimes we can agree to disagree or we can just stand on. You know yeah. what we're talking about. So yeah. It's our opinion. And the thing is, when each people have each person has expressed their opinion, nobody walks away angry. And that, right. that's the that's the bottom line. Nobody walks away angry. Just okay. You you. You have that opinion, I have that opinion, and move on. That is great. 
Now, well, at least they shouldn't walk away angry. <laughs> <laughs> they'll go home and they'll pray about it. Lord, forgive me for being right. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you now about when you formed the voices at the age of 19, did you have a goal set in mind to record or did you just want to just have a group and be able to just travel and go and present music? Uh, I don't want to say both, if, if that's okay. Um, because again, I had, again, like Milton Brunson and Thompson Community Singers and Dr. Chaji Hayes and the Warriors, I mean, they were they were doing that back then. They were recording, and they were traveling, and they were doing what they do, and they were my, literally my idols, especially Dr. Hayes and the Warriors were my idols. And I always, like, I would sit there and watch them, like, this is what I want to do as a kid, you know. Uh, I always tell the story that uh, my, my brother would be in the kitchen watching my mama cook, and I'll be in the living room, and my mama would be okay with it. She'll put on, at that time, they had albums. Put on, <laughs> you know, or albums, uh, albums, as Father Hayes called it. <laughs> right. I'll put on an album. I'll like, literally put on like, a whole bunch of pennies, and I'll make them like a choir, and I'll put a quarter in the middle. The quarter in the middle, of course, was me, and I'll be the director, and I'll put on a um, Dr. Hayes, she'll put on the Dr. Hayes um, recording, the words recording, and I'll just sit there and direct, the direct the pennies, like that was my own <laughs> choir. So, um... Yeah, that. What was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> your end goal when you when you started yeah, yeah, your group is goal, that what yeah, you? My, my end goal was again like to travel, but my end goal also was to make sure that I was able to uh, express myself in a way through music that would touch the world. And I knew by that point, the only way at that particular point, because a lot of times we don't get a chance to travel. But I knew that the music on at that point time on a recording, whether it be an album or eight track tape or a cassette tape. Ooh, wow. did you go back? Did you go back? Ooh, Lord have mercy. Eight track, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> oh God. I just realized. Lord have mercy. Okay, but anyway, you know, um, yeah, would be the avenue in which I could get that message out. Mm. So I always wanted to, you know, have that, be able to tap into that market, being able to tap into doing that. And, um, you know, at the age of 19, we was able to form the choir. And actually, what happened was, um, my, it was the Hubbard community, no, Great Holy, Great Holy Temple Specials. Mm. And another group that was a friend of my mom's, he had a group. And so they would come together, and we would come together and sing. And, th- and at that particular point, that's actually how we, I actually, um, form the United Voices for Christ. Okay. Because at that point, it's like united. We are united because these two people come together. So I was like, okay, it's called United Voices. And then it was already United Voices out there. So we just made United Voices for Christ. And uh, that's basically, that's how it started, by two entities coming together. And uh, we couldn't call it the Hubbard Community Singers again because that was already taken. My mama had that. I was like, I'm good with that, mom. So we called it <laughs> United Voices for Christ. And... You know, we, we, we ministered and continued, and that was, again, like I said, that was my end goal, is to um, be able to change life, save life, you know, but again, being able to get my ministry music out there and at, at that particular point. Now, is there an age range in your choir? I mean, is there like a minimum age and a maximum age in your choir? Uh, no. not a, Well, it's not a minimum age, but I will say... I will prefer you to be as grown as possible. <laughs> um, you know, because again, and, and here we go. Hats off to my brother Walt Whitman. You know, everybody has the, they have a, 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 is anointed 
for a certain group ministry or mm -hmm. a group. Um, I'm just not anointed in that area. I love kids. I love teenagers, but I'm not uh, anointed in that area to be over a ministry like that, mm -hmm. um, to be able to maintain that. God bless Walt, you know, and all the other uh, choir, choir directors that are able to do that. But with me, at least you decide to be, um, uh, you know, about 19, 20, 21 and up. There's no max age, but, you know, at, at a certain point where you know that you really can't do as much <laughs> in, as far as we need to do. Uh, we don't, you know, do jumping jacks and stuff like that, but we are an energetic group and we do move. So, um if you can't you know, find yourself just not able to do that, then, you know, it may be a cutoff point for you at that point. But, okay. you know, uh, so, yeah, you know, um, but no, like, age limitation, except for I really do prefer them to be grown. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you a question about your very first recording that you okay. did. Mm -hmm. Take me through that experience of, uh, did you approach the record company? Did the... The record company approached you. How did that come about? So, um, my very first experience, uh, let me say, it was uh, incredible. Uh, shout out to Mike Houston. Mike Houston, uh, he had the Sweet Nine label. It's called Sweet Nine Records. And uh, Michael and I forget the other guy that came to one of our concerts that we did on 84th and Halston. And they were there. And um, Mike just, I guess, so, it was something about us that really draw him to say, you know, hey, I want to record you. So after the concert was over with, he actually walked up to me and said, hey, man, I want to talk to you if I remember this correctly, you know, and about, you know, recording. And then from that point, uh, Mike Houston actually signed me to his label. Sweet Nine uh, Records was actually distributed back at that particular point by Ty Sky Records. So um, that, and that was a very, very humbling, incredible um, uh, experience again, just for someone to not, not even know you, probably have heard about you because we have been singing around the city, but you know, mm. never like um, that. We had did the uh, McDonald's competition, and uh, which we uh, was in, and of course, Ricky Dillard and New Generation they killed it, <laughs> and so you know, so um, so you know, we had did all the avenues, but then Mike, like I said, Mike Houston came and took one of our concerts and saw us. and uh, he contacted me, and we talked, and I signed to his label. And um, from that point, um, we the journey began. And then at that point, uh, I got an opportunity to sit down with um, Brian Scott at the time, who was old, and um, Dr. Scott, who was over mm -hmm. Ty Scott Records. And from that point, they uh, signed me directly to, to Ty Scott Records. And that was really like, you know, at, especially back then, you know, it was only a couple of um, African-American labels that was, like, really out there doing mm -hmm. it. Savoy, Malico, and Ty Scott Records. Right. And so John P. Key was on there, uh, Diedrich Haddon, and uh, Jeffrey Golden. and uh, Not Jeffrey Golden, but the Golden Stone Choir. I, I forget the name. And then you had, uh, and then I was there. So <laughs> that was like, wow, my God, this is amazing. I'm signed to Ty Scott Records. So it was a very incredible journey. And uh, I would, you know, Nothing about it I would take back because I learned a lot. And again, shout out to Mike Houston and uh, Brian Scott and Dr. Scott for just believing in me mm -hmm. and sending me at that particular time. Okay. Now, when people get prepared for recording, mm -hmm. did you reach out to other songwriters or did you write all of the music yourself? 
No, uh, I've always been open to um, other songwriters because, again, you know, everybody approaches their records different. I always want just a different view and to my uh, on my records and, and everything like that. So, but the first particular time, though, Mikey Houston at that particular time, you know, he had full control. So he brought the music to us and uh, he uh, did all the mixing and mastering. And then I believe, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Then at that particular time, I had an opportunity to meet uh, Orlando Draper. Mm-hmm. And so and before we recorded our first album, Orlando Draper actually wrote the title the record, uh, title song for the record called Trust in Jesus. And uh, it was great. So meeting him, and of course, you know, he became my extremely mentoring <laughs> idol because the young man, uh, God rest his soul, when I tell you he's incredible, he was incredible. Oh, yeah, he was. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. I'll never get, you know, <laughs> I'll never get, uh, and I know we, we talk about the record, but just a little bit about the concert that I invited him to. We had never seen him in person. So me and my choir, you know, we was good, 60 strong. We got up there, we sang. We did what we supposed to do. You know, we just thought, you know, hey, we did it. That boy came behind me, playing the and associates. I was like, oh, my God, what just happened here? They were, they were seeing the paint off the walls. Listen, I was glad we didn't have to come back behind him. And if we did, I said, I'm not going to. We wouldn't go back there and see nothing else. That first day, Orlando Draper and associates shut that place down you hear me and then we and from that point he became my mentor and uh just really trained me in a lot of areas of music and just like that and we became good friends and um you know from there we had a great connection from that point but like back to your question i know i feared a little bit but <laughs> you know okay. i like to open it out to other writers my, my brothers are extremely great songwriters so whenever i open music um when god gives me songs it happens you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so but i don't ever for me, my approach is always to be have a variety of um, like my thoughts and a variety of different uh, uh, approaches to the record. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. It's always good to hear that because sometimes people will write their own completely or solely and mm-hmm. not consult others. And it is, I always think it's always good to just sprinkle around a little bit more because you never know what's going to reach somebody uh, and what's going to touch someone and somebody writing a, a simple song that you can turn into something else can actually just sprinkle a little bit more onto that music. You know, it, it's nothing, you know, uh, as far as people writing whole albums and things like that, you know, we have some great uh, artists out there that can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at Donald Lawrence, Richard Smallwood, you know, they, they can do it. There's it, a host of others. Jonathan McReynolds, even this A&H, Jonathan McReynolds, Travis Green, I, just, I want to get the name, Anthony Brown, just a whole lot of people that can really write their entire record. Right. And from a business aspect of it, that's the right move to make too as well from a business <laughs> standpoint. You know, ching ching, keep hauling keep all that money yourself. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's again, it's just a person, who, how they like to approach it. I... Don't consider myself that um, songwriter, that producer that, you know, I feel like I can, and not say that I couldn't, but I don't feel like I want to be in a position that I do my entire record. Mm-hmm. I like to just have a different, like I said, different approaches to it, but nothing wrong with anybody that does it because, you know, like I said, people like that, you know, hey, they make good money. <laughs> That's number one, but then they also put out good material too. Yeah, and then I, well, not, not negating from that, but mm-hmm. when you think about writers that write, a lot of their own stuff, sometimes it gets to the point where it sounds the same. Uh, something I liked about Michael Jackson, and I know this is circular, but anyway, <laughs> something I liked about Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson will write some songs 
he would come out with them and then he wouldn't record for like three, five years, three or five or six years because he's trying to get a new flavor, a new sound, a new taste. Because when you look at or listen to his, his, uh, what am I trying to say? When you list, listen to the litany of music that he's put out and the same with Prince, listen to the music that they put out is that they go into retreat and come back out with a new sound almost. So I, and like you say, it is wonderful to hear when artists are doing, writing their own and completing it on. But sometimes you want to hear like, especially in a choir, you want to hear something a little different. Can they go Calypso uh, with gospel? Can they go uh, Indian with with their gospel song? Can they be hardcore? So that that's what I meant by that, about sprinkling a little bit in that when you when you think about a choir and you have a variety of voices like somebody like Jonathan McReynolds he's basically singing his own stuff so he's really putting his soul into that but when you think about the multitude of people that you're working with well multitude 25 30 people those are different personalities and listening to a different songwriter could bring out another another personality in some of the singers that's what I meant by that. Yeah, yeah, I, and I definitely, I hear what you said, and I definitely, you know, I understand the approach which you're talking about. But you know, as, as I said again, that uh, it really also depends upon the person and the writer, because there mm -hmm. are some writers and some talent out there that know how to bring out the every aspect of the different sounds in their music and never lose the identity of who they are. So without having to like venture out. So again, I, I like that whole, you know, sprinkle of different, I like that, you know, but there, there are some artists that can't do it. Not, it's not a lot of songwriters that can, but you know, like you said, mm -hmm. when a writer a song, you know, like, okay, you just changed the words. You didn't do anything. You just changed the words. It's the same melody, same line. You just changed words. We get it. Okay. Now, but then there's also some writers out there that you just, they have a signature that you just know that they wrote that song. But again, it's still a different approach, but it's that you know that they wrote that song, that's their music. And again, they know how to capture and identify uh, different aspects of the, um, the, of the song, of the ministry. Now, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to go way back. Do you remember this group called Abe Cook and the Renewed Voices mm -hmm. of Praise? Yeah. I always thought that they were ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. with the type of music that they put out. And eventually, I hope to one day, I know that Abe Cook is no longer with us, but to interview some of the people in his group. But then we also had a, have a writer, Amaris Palmore. She was also ahead of her time. And mm -hmm. I just thought that, you know, when you would hear something from them, it was, you know, just like Orlando Draper and, and mm -hmm. Richard Smallwood and the Hawkins brothers, because both of them wrote fantastic mm -hmm. songs. So you would you would look at that and you think, man, you know, I like to see that and I like to see it come out in other singers because when someone writes differently, your singers act differently. Mm -hmm. So that that's that's where I was going with that. But back to you because I want to <laughs> know about more about you. Okay. You have participated in the Chicago chapter of the Recording Academy. Tell us a little bit about that experience. So for, for your listening and viewers that know, might not know what the Recording Academy is, it's, called, it's the Grammys, hashtag, it's just the Grammys. We used to call it Naris, and then uh, we um, kind of changed the name to the Recording Academy. Um, so my experience in that is, uh, again, one to um, just one for the records for me. 
um, actually was introduced by to the Recording Academy by Don Lawrence. At that particular time, he was a trustee, and he was also over the um, gospel um, advisory group that we have now. And uh, so he, he brought me to uh, a couple of the events, and then I had an opportunity to talk to the executive director then, which her name was Tara Haley. And um, we went to uh, Springfield to, uh, I want to say fight on behalf or just to talk on the behalf of artists and, you know, things, uh, music rights and things and like and at that particular point. I got an opportunity, and I forget the man's name, um, but he wrote I the Tiger. So I'm just standing there, and I'm just having this conversation with this man, and we just having, our, you know, just a long conversation, just talking, and when I, you know, and just down to earth. And when I walk away, I tell remember, like, Tara Healy at the time, is that correct? She said, are you aware who you were talking to? And I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> she said, that's such and such, a, he's the one that wrote Iowa Tiger. I was like, are you serious? Like, for real? And he's a Grammy Award winner. So at that particular point, two things happened. I saw an opportunity to, again, meet some great people. Then also have an opportunity to actually uh, advocate for music lovers, uh, all around the world, especially in the city of Chicago, especially for gospel music. So I wanted to become definitely a member and a part of the Recording Academy. So I joined and uh, became a member. And uh, at that particular time, I was just a member. And then I was joined the, um, the gospel advisory group, is what we call it now. And um, at that particular time, I was asked to run for the board. <laughs> and so, you know, um, whenever you run for the board, it's just like it's something. I put it that way. <laughs> so I remember... <laughs> Um, losing like three times, and so eventually I um, they um, brought me on. <laughs> I got to become a, a member of the board, and uh, so I've been a member of the board ever since. And now, and I have an opportunity to be a governor of the recording county for the Chicago chapter, which actually is a Midwest chapter. We cover twelve states in the Midwest, and uh, from that point, I served as a governor. And then Donald Lawrence, he became the trustee, like I said, and then he actually turned over and passed down the mantle of being the committee chair for the gospel. Uh, a vice group to me. So I became the uh, chair from that point, and then I ran for secretary. I got that. Then uh, I was. A, then I ran for president a couple of times, and that didn't quite work out. <laughs> <laughs> and but then I was approached to run for it again. I was like, hey, I'm not, I don't want to do this. That's like, nah, that's like, no, run. So I, I just said, okay, you know, I'll run again. And then I actually ran this last time in 2017, yeah, 2017, and voila. Okay. I became the president of the recording I mean, for the <laughs> Chicago chapter, and uh, it was like an honor to do that. So it put me in a position to, again, to uh, rep- not only represent my genre of music, but represent all genres of music uh, to the uh, entire board as it relates to the uh, Midwest chapter, to the entire board as far as you know, the recording camp as a whole. And so that journey to this point, I'm still a governor now. I'm back being a governor because you're going to serve like two years of that term for that. Mm-hmm. Um but now I'm back as a governor, still in a, in a role of, uh, excuse me, of being able to talk on behalf and advocate on behalf of uh, my genre of music, which is gospel music. And so, again, I love it. I've learned the journey. It's like I said, you would have never told me in a million years I'd be the president of the Chicago chapter for the Recording Academy, which is a great honor. And uh, so I love it. I love it. I love what I do for it. And it's been a marvelous experience. Well, that is great. It's great. I always say, if you're enjoying what you're doing while you're living, mm-hmm. it that just makes life a whole lot, <laughs> a whole lot better. Because yeah. then you don't have anything to worry about. You're enjoying yourself. You're having fun. And you're excited about what you do and you pour it into. 
And that's, like I said, that's what I, that's why I like doing this because I like talking to people to find out the people that you don't necessarily see on the stage, on the big stage, the people that are behind the music, the gospel music gold that grows. Now I'm going to ask you, we're going to, what are you doing currently? And if someone wants to get in contact with you, how could they get in contact with you? Super excited about this question. So currently now I am the, uh, still work with the Recording Academy. Uh, like I said, still governor and uh, work with the John Music of Gospel uh, as advisory there and chairman of the advisory group, co-chair with Reggie um, Ayers, which is my business manager. But I'm also um, the CEO for Next Showcase USA, uh, which is a platform for up-and-coming artists to showcase their talent mm-hmm. in front of industry professionals. And what we do, we, we provide opportunities for artists to come in to whether they're uh, spoken word artists or whether they, uh, you know, sing or whether they rap, whether they speak, just express themselves and on a platform. And with the platform, like I said, we're from the industry professionals. And those industry professionals, they give them good feedback, positive feedback. We never lie to them, but we give them positive feedback mm. to help them in their journey. But also outside of that, we give them incentives and opportunities to actually further their careers. Before COVID, you know, happened, we were doing uh, different um, festivals, TV appearances on WGN, recording deals. So we have a lot of major influence coming just to pour into and also be able to give back to the community. I'm super excited about that because, again, it's about emerging artists. Uh, someone gave me a talent. So, I mean, someone someone gave me an opportunity, providing a platform for me. So I wanted to go come back and do the same thing. And that was another thing that was inspired by my presidency in the Recording Academy because, again, it allowed me to see, like, hey, we can do this for all genres of music. Again, like I said, I'm a church boy. I love gospel music, but you know, you you go. I love gospel music. I promise you, I go to sleep listening to it. But um, I love all genres of music. So with this opportunity, with this platform, we we can showcase all genres of music um, to make sure that they you know they have opportunity to uh, have a place to showcase their talent. And uh, so we're working on our next showcase that's coming up on uh, January 19th. So we're super excited about that. Even with COVID, we're doing it virtually, but we still have opportunities that's going to be going out to different people. Mm-hmm. And um, we're super excited about it, yeah. Okay. Now, is there a website that people can go to to find more information about that? Yes, it's right there on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> like showcase. they can see that. <laughs> right, like they can see it right. Nextshowcaseusa.com. So it's nextshowcaseusa.com. And there you'll see all the information how to get in contact with us. Um, my, I think about my Instagram and my Twitter information is on there. But mine is just Mark Hubbard 1015. That's my Instagram. And so it's my Twitter, Mark Hubbard 1015, or Mark Hubbard Network on Facebook. But learn more about information about the company and the platform and what we're doing because we, again, looking for people to help us in the area to continue to sow into mm. these young people and sow into their platforms. So we love the people to partner with people and, you know, different sponsorships and things like that. So next showcase USA.com. Okay, that is great. Well, I want to thank my guest, Mark Hubbard, for participating in this segment of Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about this show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions of future guests you would like to hear on the show. Send an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com. I am your host and Sonia saying, let's sing, let's shout, 
and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless. Are you one of the many Americans that are hoping to find a new job? Do you need to establish new skills or improve the skill you already have? Perhaps you're an HR professional in a company and in need of online training for your employees. Well, I invite you to check out the online training system from Born to Speak to You. Once registered, these online courses are available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for 60 days. In the area of human resource trainings, we have courses on lunch and learn program, crisis management, diversity and inclusion, health and wellness at work, office health and safety, workplace violence, and much, much more. Our website is borntospeaktoyou.com, where the two is the number two. That's borntospeaktoyou.com, where you can even arrange for a virtual training for your employees on any one of our 110 training modules.